We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. One second. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. March has arrived, and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to betonline.ag and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest starting March 15th. That's right, I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action, and with multiple entries available, it's this season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong, so whatever your passion is, betonline.ag is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, betonline.ag, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the biz. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. That's a lot. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Now, folks, welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast. I am here, as always, with the illustrious Rohan Kadi. Rohan, I have a question for you before we get into this. Okay, shoot. What is what do you think would be one of the best like safest like night to night bucks bets? Like obviously like just the bucks like money line or straight up whichever you want to do against whoever they're playing is solid. But I, I've seen some props that people tell me are very good. Giannis's rebounding over under because I didn't I didn't know Giannis led the NBA in rebounds per game. Does somehow. he really? He does. Like I right? Thought, like it's one of those things where you just don't really I think about Drummond it. Drummond had it. So Drummond is like being excommunicated from the Cavaliers. I mean, that's fair. Uh, he hasn't been playing as much. Uh, his numbers have dropped. I mean, Giannis is over 13 per game right now. 
And I think his over-under is like usually around 12 or 13, so it's literally just he's, his average. He's fourth. He's fourth? Wait, what? <laughs> Who's in Like, wait. I, Drummond, Whiteside, Gobert. And rebounds per game? Yeah. Then what? Who is feeding me false stats, Rohan? I couldn't tell you. I'm going to go back through my Twitter now. Now I'm upset. Now I feel like I lied to the Eurostep listeners. Thank goodness you were here to fact check. But what would your uh, what would your Bucks prop bet be? I'm going to say it's a prop bet. And you can it doesn't matter if you don't know lines offhand. If you could make up anything that you would bet the Bucks Ooh. will do on a game-to-game basis. I didn't warn mm. Rohan about this. This is all off the cuff. You did not. Uh, let's see. I want to go Ursan with... Charge would have been fire like the last few years, but maybe not anymore. Yes, and we will get into that later. I mm. will probably say... Mm, I'm going to go with someone who's a little up and down to make it a little more interesting, but I will go with Eric Bledsoe will have at least four assists a game. That's pretty good. I feel like I feel like you might actually get decent odds on that. Yeah, well, he's averaging 5.4, so it's not a lot to ask for, but I feel like he's he's taken on more of a playmaking role this season. Yeah, he is. Um, I think that is a fair bet. Maybe, maybe if it's that below his average, maybe that's a little too... Let's say five. Five is, yeah, five, maybe five then. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I got that stat from. I've been lying to people all day, but oh well. Anyway, let's hop into uh, some Bucks current events, as we're so wont to do on this this basically biweekly podcast. Milwaukee just finished up just a brutal three game run, probably the worst basketball the Bucks have played since their so so start in October, where Milwaukee infamously went two and two. The, the dark days of this season, truly. The Bucks beat the Pacers one nineteen to one hundred. Most of the fourth quarter was garbage time. This coming right after a. 105-89 lost to the Miami Heat, which comes in turn right after a pretty ugly win over Charlotte where the Bucks did not even score 100 points, the end of the 100-point streak. So before we get to Indiana, first I guess we should talk about this, since we haven't talked about it together on the pod. I, I, what are your thoughts on the 100-point streak ending, Rohan? Well, I mean, obviously it's going to be a little disheartening to see because you want to see um, this team just absolutely etch its name in the history books. But also, like, who cares? <laughs> you yeah. know? Like, it's it's the modern NBA. Most teams are scoring over 100 points a game. And what is Milwaukee averaging right now? They're averaging 119.1 points per game. Without the Indiana game included, because that oh my, stat, they really? stat, stats haven't been updated yet. Yes. Oh, goodness. So uh, it's not going to change. I mean, they did put up 119 exactly tonight. Yeah, fair. I guess. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, that's what they're averaging on the season. So just getting over 100 points isn't really an accomplishment for this team. So yeah. when they go below, that's something you really need to worry about. Because it's like, oh, the offense had a really bad night. But, I mean, it's sad to see it go. They were, what, third third best all-time if i remember correctly third yeah i think it was the third longest uh yeah streak so yeah correct so it's fine you know it'll it'll be there for when the next team goes on a run they'll have to try and beat milwaukee to get up to the top like but i i I do not care that much no i didn't care at all i mean i thought we were going to disagree on this because early like you kind of started it with like well obviously it's a bummer and i was like yeah the fact that they got the win, and I, I heard Zora Stevenson, who's been terrific all all year long on Fox Sports Wisconsin, fantastic, really, really great stuff from her this season. But um, she said, 
Um, you know, like something like while a lot of people might really want to see the Bucks get to 100, Coach Mike Budenholzer didn't really care. He said as long as they get the win, that's fine. I'm I'm on the same wavelength, and I've seen my my good friend BJ Degroat said he doesn't care if the Bucks lose like go 500 the rest of the way. I think he actually tweeted, I don't care if they lose every game the rest of the way, just get to the playoffs. I'm not there, but uh, I, I still want to see them win. I still have foolish hope for 70, which it's crazy how hard it is to get 70 wins because the Bucks have been so damn good, and their margin for error for 70 is already pretty small. But anyway, um, but I certainly I care about the games, all this to say. I care about the game results, but I certainly don't care. If they go under 100 to win once this season, I'm pretty much fine with that. But let's talk about this game. Um, I think we both described it as kind of a boring game, which that was before the Bucks went on their second run to really finally put this thing away. But what were your takes when watching this Pacers game? It seemed like early on the Bucks were going to have a nice wire-to-wire win, and did they? I don't. I think the Pacers might have taken the lead back in the mid mid stages of this one, so it probably wasn't that. But uh, they did not. They did not. So it was, was wire it, to wire. It was a wire to wire win, despite it not really feeling like one. Uh, what were your thoughts? I mean, every time you we play the Pacers, I just I, I don't really get all excited about it. Like obviously they're a pretty good team, um, and they didn't have Victor Oladipo tonight. Malcolm Brogdon unfortunately left the game with an injury, but it's just it's not that exciting. Like they had no players score more than 20 points in the game like their highest was tj warren with 18 tj warren quickly becoming a bucks killer by the way his plus minus is wild yeah minus 41 wow <laughs> i did not see minutes. that in 33 <laughs> minutes while leading the team in scoring that's wild that is you know what that's impressive that takes a lot <laughs> but it's just i don't know i don't really get excited to watch the Pacers play basketball and that's not a slight on the team like I said they're they're decently good but I don't know I just they play a very style they play a style of basketball that isn't really appealing to me that much and it's just just get through it yeah they they, they've been a frustrating team for the Bucks after Milwaukee really just demolished the Pacers in the first two meetings that third one of course without Giannis the ugliest game of the season for the Bucks, an absolute blow. Well, what looked like was going to be an absolute blowout loss. Chris and, and company actually do, do make it close late in that one. But this game, again, it was like the Bucks were all ready to run away, and the Pacers are a little too good to just clobber them for four straight quarters, especially if you're not really trying all that hard. And I think after that first, like, whatever it was, run, I think they, the Bucks rattled off like 12 or 14 in a row at one point. I think it was... 16 to 2 or 16 to 4 pretty early uh you're not going to beat the pacers that comfortably all night um this is a proud team and they should be they're a good team they're well above 500 on their way to the playoffs 37 and 25 after the loss but uh, it's just like i mean i talked about this with tony east on his podcast uh it just doesn't seem like the pacers should be able to hang with the bucks like the things the pacers don't do well are usually the only ways to beat the Bucks. I mean, the Pacers, not really a three-point shooting team outside of Doug McDermott. He was three for three tonight. Pat C., please never go under a Doug McDermott screen again. But the Pacers made seven threes in this game. They shot seven for 27. As we've seen this year, outside of the the Pacers win, the one Pacers win against the Bucks, it's really hard for teams to beat Milwaukee without taking and making a lot of threes. So with Giannis in the lineup on a night where uh, the Bucks shot pretty horribly from three themselves, 
this still was a blowout win for Indiana. It's just like the way they played. They love scoring inside. They don't love threes. Really, really hard to beat Milwaukee that way. Exactly. You said it's very difficult to beat this team without shooting a gazillion threes and with Giannis in the lineup. It's it's not just really hard. It's proven to be impossible this season. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just, yeah, like you said, they can't. Re- they're not going to be able to hang with Milwaukee in the playoffs. That's why it's like teams that don't shoot a bunch of threes, like uh, like Indiana, like Philadelphia. Like what you you can't you can't do anything. So, and we, we've just been continuing to see that all season long. And I think, I am pretty sure that we will see that trend continue when the postseason starts. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty confident in that as well. It seems like right now, if you, you kind of need to stretch the floor, you kind of need a stretch five most of the time, and you really just need a team that can knock down threes. Because otherwise, it is very difficult to hang with Milwaukee's offense. As you said, 119 a game, 119 tonight. Top two scorers are who you would pretty much expect. Giannis at 29 points, 10 for 23 from the field. Not a very good game for Giannis, although he certainly got better later. And then Chris Middleton in second with 20 points, uh, 9 for 16 shooting, 2 for 5 from deep. Apparently Chris Middleton set a Bucks record for most consecutive games with two triples made at least. I would not have thought he got there in the, the Miami game until I heard that on the broadcast because he was 2 for 10. So he doesn't have a record for consecutive really good shooting nights, but at least at least two made threes in a row. Um, but this felt good to me that Chris shoots 40% from three, even if the volume is a little low. It just felt like he needed that shooting night after missing a couple games, really rough game against Miami. This was necessary for Chris. No, it really was because he was on a tear, as we talked about before. He sort of had the neck soreness injury that we really didn't, hear about the full extent of which she just had a sore neck (laughs) yeah i guess like that's fine but that's usually troubling yeah but yeah it's it's weird there's been weird injury stuff yeah like whatever the heck is going on with guy corver um but i don't know is he missed two games but it's yeah he's back he needs some time to really get um acclimated back into his normal superstar self so I guess I guess you're gonna have nights like a two for ten uh, shooting night from distance in Miami on, a, listen, on the second night of a back to back. Listen, the Bucks got into Miami early the day before. That is probably as close to a schedule loss as you're going to see. A back to back, second night of a back to back in Miami. You get into Miami early the day before. I mean. I, I'm just glad we didn't get any videos from the club like we did with, with Plumlee and Greg Monroe and everybody else because I would imagine there was some some act, some sort of activities taking place there. It's, Miami nightlife is talked about so often for a reason. But mm-hmm. Did um, you see uh, Luca's 21st birthday pictures in Miami? <laughs> I didn't see the pictures. I know he just took that game off, didn't he? Yes. <laughs> he just didn't play. Now, that that's funny. That's hilarious to me. It's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm out sick. Um, that we've, we've all called in sick on a, on a birthday, especially if, if we're in Miami, which I've never been on a birthday, but maybe someday. Uh, Giannis's game, though, 29 points, 12 rebounds, three offensive, not league-leading rebounder. Again, don't know why. Don't know why I thought that or read that. Uh, six, assi- six assists, one steal, four turnovers, a plus 26. So at the end of the night, his line looks pretty damn good. Two for eight from three. Giannis was really, really pulling him this game. But early on struggling, I thought, 
too many bad decisions to just drive right at Miles Turner, who had himself a hell of a time tangling up Giannis for jump balls this game. Um, but he's certainly cleaned it up. He certainly did his stuff in, you know, cleaning it up, cleaning up possessions, you know, offensive rebounds and slams, and just driving even when the, the, the probability really isn't with any normal player because he's not a normal player. But I don't, I don't know. What were your thoughts on, on this Giannis game? I mean, it was nice to see him bounce back from his season-low scoring output in Miami. Um, he he takes these, like, he always likes to get revenge on teams as well. Yeah. And it's like, they. it was a perfect storm. I thought Giannis was going to, like, go for, like, 50 or 60 tonight. because I think it, he wanted to. Yeah, it was the perfect storm because they had just lost the previous game where he had, like I said, season-low scoring output. Uh, and then they were facing a team that had beat him, beat the Bucks the last time they played like given that he wasn't playing in that game but it was just it was just the perfect storm for him to go off and Mm. like indiana they frustrated him a little bit like miles turner was getting they were they were getting physical and i think i think Giannis sort of really got irritated in the fourth quarter uh after um miles turner got his jump ball for what was the third time i think yeah i think i think he got three where he just literally during a honest drive, reaches in and just grabs the the stinking ball with both hands, and it's a jump. Yeah. So he was just getting irritated, and then it was just like, okay, I'm just gonna go score a bunch of times and make pretty passes and just destroy your offense, like destroy your defense. Sorry, with my offense, and that was it. Yeah, it was. Although I do think, I think he's gonna have to tone down or at least better focus some of that aggressiveness because there were too many possessions in this game and in the Miami game, which we, we were kind of talking about at the same time. We'll probably get to a bit individually as well. Um, but too many times where he would just do the same old default, let me let me run into this this line and see if I can just score over everybody, which sometimes he can. I mean, like, like I said, he is that good in spots where a normal player would have zero chance of success. Giannis might have like 20, 30, 40, even, maybe even higher chance of success in some of those drives but that's not enough of a chance to make it a good play especially over and over and over and I get I mean he's the preeminent superstar in the league he is the guy who if anybody out there could dictate the way he plays it's him but we do know Giannis is very team first Giannis wants to win and I think the best way to win is going to be sometimes taking the ball out of his hands initially on these possessions Put it in Chris, Chris uh, Middleton's hands or Eric Bledsoe's hands. Have Giannis roll. Have Giannis post up and get better position and, and have a better way to see the floor. I mean, when he's attacking, when he's not survey, surveying the floor well enough, that's when you get these situations where Miles Turner can either be the help defender or the main defender who's already set, and it makes it a lot easier for him to use those those. Uh, apparently not all that good usually hands. I tweeted that his hands have been fantastic, and and Tony was like, they're, they're, I don't know if I don't know if they're fantastic. I, I don't think that's a pretty usual performance for Miles Turner. But um, it makes it easier when Giannis is just going to try and barrel through everybody, which is something according to Kevin Arnovitz on the low, the interesting low post all about the Bucks recently that that just dropped. I think two days ago. Um, apparently Giannis told Arnovitz. I know I can't just go jump over five guys. There's been some times in the last two games when I think he has tried to do that, and I don't think it's worked very well. Yeah, it's just it's just a lot of focus, as you said, a lot of slowing it down on the offensive end because we've seen 
time and time again that when he takes his time, he can make great reads, great passes. Like like you said, we're just talking about the Miami game at the same time, but there was this one play that uh, I think Arnovitz also mentioned on that podcast where Giannis was uh, facing up on the, I think it was the left, left block. Yeah. Left block. Hmm. And then he just whips a pass behind his head to Connaughton in the corner. Yeah, on the, the weak side corner. So mm-hmm. all the way across the floor. It was like when I saw that happen, I was just like, oh my God, Pat better make this shot. <laughs> uh, but he didn't, which was no. unfortunate. But the pass was still insane. Like, I, I don't know how. Just, I, I don't know how. <laughs> I don't think anyone does. I think here, I think uh, Bud was sort of telling him on the sideline, like weak side or something, maybe. But that's like the only way that Giannis could know that Pat was going to fly to that corner. Well, I mean, the the other the the other way would be, you know, the the one thing this team did did really gain this offseason, besides you know good good additions in West West Matthews and Kyle Korver, who we learned recently via Eric Eric Name story that Giannis actually went and recruited those guys right after he found out Malcolm Brogdon was going to be leaving. Um, I think the quote was, F it, we need to go get some guys. And he just, those were the two guys he wanted, and he got them. So shout out to Giannis for doing some low-key recruiting. We like to see that. But um, Ooh, little tease in there. One thing, like Giannis was perfect for recruiting. Um, there was one other guy that he tried to recruit last season. Let's see if that comes through. Which guy? Uh, shook hands with him in the hallway, said, hey, come to the Bucks, man. Oh, that that wasn't Steph, was it? It was not. Who was it? Why it, am I it, feeling it, this? It was AD. Oh, <laughs> that's right. After the list came out, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be if AD leaves the Lakers for the Bucks. That would be the new funniest storyline of all time. I don't. And I think ESPN would shut down. Yeah, I don't think they would know. I think Adam Silver would like try to nullify the move, even though it's not a trade. But and yes, I know the cap would be really difficult for the Bucks and everything else. Yeah, blah 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 blah. blah. I don't care. It's still fun to think about. Anyway. Um, I forgot the point I was even going to make. Uh, recruiting. Oh no! But before that, oh the 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 one thing that the Bucks gained by yes. not by not going to to chase the superstars or at least not getting them this last summer was some some consistency, you know, some some carryover, a lot of familiarity with what they're going to do, a lot of continued learning and adapting, uh, Bud's scheme and everything else, and you know, Giannis does know how Pat is going to play and, and where he's going to go. So I I don't know how much help he had with finding that or not, but that, that consistency and that continuity, that's the word I've been looking for this whole time is super valuable. I think, and it's something that kind of gets downplayed a lot, but certainly uh, helps make plays like that possible. I mean, a guy like LeBron can, can probably go play with any nine or so random people and still hit passes like that because he's maybe the best passer ever. Certainly the best passer, like taller than, Six six ever besides maybe Magic Johnson or Larry Bird, but he's the best passer of this generation. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But Giannis can make some really really nice reads, even if he's not that guy. He just needs to slow down and, and do it. Mm-hmm. No, and like we've talked about all season long, that that's really what cost them last season. So yeah. it's just nice to see that the one thing that really cost the Bucks, let's be like, it cost them a title last season. Mm-hmm. That's been worked on, and that is starting to be perfected. Well, you know what? I, I think this would be a good a good focus to take this podcast. Let's talk about the things they couldn't do and why I think both of us think they can do them now. I feel like it, it'll kind of fit in 
and kind of this is what we sort of talked about doing for the pod, but like the the shortcomings in the Miami game, why we think those are more fluky than than solid, you know, uh, guidelines on why the Bucks are bad or, or are not good enough, etc. And and sort of the the reasons those things are flipped. So Giannis taking that time, I think, is a huge one, and it's really the bigger issue than that. I don't want to just put it all on Giannis, like it was his fault. I mean the Bucks did win his minutes in that Raptors series. So hard to say it's all on Giannis, but I think he would be the first to say he needs to be better. Um, but just having other stuff to go to when teams are good enough to, to shut down sort of the motion offense. You know, the Bucks love to move the ball all over and get Robin Lopez a corner three or whatever. That stuff is easier to do in March than it is in May. Uh, I think everyone acknowledges that. And you're still going to need everybody on the team to show up in, in some way, shape, or form. But you're not going to rely on the supporting cast carrying. You're going to need to rely on Giannis and Chris and, and to a lesser extent, Eric Bledsoe and maybe Dante DiVincenzo, who we also really need to talk about, coming on in a big way lately. But those the main guys are going to need to score, and they're going to need to be able to score reliably over and over and over again against defenses that really just want to stop that from happening. So those, in addition to Giannis just being better at his decision-making when he does attack and, and, and taking that second to, you know, consider other options besides the rim, which I think must just look so delicious to him all the time based on how good he is at getting to it, just running other stuff to either get him the ball or maybe even get some teammates going to the rim using his gravity without him even holding the ball. I think we both agree that's going to be key to Milwaukee not falling short this time or, or, or around yeah. <laughs> no i i couldn't agree more it's it's a lot of just how they re, how the rest of the team reacts when Giannis does not when, well when Giannis is being trapped so one thing that i noticed a lot that was happening during the miami game the early parts of the toronto game because let's let's be honest those are the two most formidable defenses that the bucks could face in the playoffs am i right uh, Miami and Toronto? Yes. For sure in the East? Well, yeah, in the East, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, 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 in the East, absolutely. No, 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 no question. Mm. So one thing that was happening early on is that when Giannis was sort of getting the ball and he was, uh, let's say, on either block or at the top of the key or something and then he was just getting swarmed uh, or when he's going to the rim, just bodies, like usually all like four guys or all five guys surrounding him. Uh, one thing that the rest of the Bucks would do is they would sort of collapse to Giannis, all of them trying to be the singular outlet to him. Mm. But mm. what that was doing was just making less space in an already tight environment, if that makes yeah. any sense. No, yeah, it definitely does. And so what that what they sort of opened up with in the like the second half of the Toronto game when they sort of like took control of that game, and they didn't really manage to do in the Miami game uh, was sort of get individual uh, players sort of being very fluid and getting like one person to like make a cut. And then like, that cut opens up an angle to another guy who's uh, flaring to a corner or something else. And that's just like getting individual opportunities for Giannis to make an out like a, a pass out. And then just getting easy baskets. Like, they figured it out in that Toronto game. They did not figure it out in the Miami game. No, it certainly didn't seem like they did. And I think, 
you know, I talk about outlier stats for this Miami game, which was, I don't know if I said, it's a 105-89 Milwaukee win. So, or excuse me, Miami win, a 105-89 Miami Milwaukee win. win. I know, yeah, it, it really just rolls off the tongue at this point. But um, the outlier stats everyone is looking at first is, of course, the three-point shooting the Heat are 18 for 37, 48.6% from deep. I can tell you that's not happening four times in the seven-game series. And the Bucks were 7 for 34, 20.6%. So rough showing from Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, the- we, we do have to say that in this game, they did not. The, the Heat did not have Tyler Hero, and the Bucks did not have Kyle Korver. Yes, but in absence of Tyler Hero, somehow Jay Crowder is 5 for 9 from three-point range. Goran Dragic, 3 for 7. Kelly Olenek, 3 for 3. Duncan Robinson, 3 for 7. That one you kind of expect. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, two for five. But really, Jay Crowder leading the team in made threes and shooting above 50% is just ludicrous stuff based on uh, Jay Crowder's season but and career. But anyway, the those are kind of numbers that you can do a little bit about, but not much. I mean, those weren't really that wide-open threes, it felt like, a lot of the time for Miami. I mean, those they just hit shots, and the Bucks just missed shots. But one thing you can control... I just don't think Chris Middleton was handling the ball enough and, and not doing the right things with with the ball when he did handle it. And it sounds silly because he took 16 shots in 21 minutes, which is a whole lot. But I think a lot of those shots and a lot of all the shots felt like the Bucks weren't really ready for the physicality of Miami's defense, some of the zone looks Miami was throwing at the Bucks. So it would really just be like somebody gets caught up in the middle and like dishes it and a guy isn't really open, but they kind of just have to shoot, so they shoot. I think that is some of the reason the Bucks shot so poorly from the field and from deep was just they weren't generating good looks, they weren't comfortable. But Chris in all that in, in all those minutes and obviously touched the ball a lot to shoot 16 times, zero assists and only one turnover in those 28 minutes. So Chris Middleton has been a good, a very good passer this season. He's been very adept in pick and rolls and everything else. I don't have the the pick and roll numbers for that game in in front of me. I would say very, very little, probably. The Bucks went to that, and I get it. It's his first game coming back from missing a couple. Again, second night of a back-to-back, Miami nightlife, etc., etc. There were a lot of wonky things in this game that you won't see again this season, except for back-to-backs, but not in Miami anymore, thankfully. Um, but the Bucks just had a lot of weird things going on, but it just didn't feel like they were attacking very cohesively. And I think if they were, this could have been a different result, even if the shooting was similarly uh, distorted. Yeah, like there's there's other ways that the Bucks can sort of get going. And I think we can sort of shift over a little bit, at least in this game, to talking about like adjustments. Because they uh, initially what what happened in the Miami game, they were sort of picking on Brooke Lopez when Kelly Olenek came in the game, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so what did they do right away? They immediately went small and resurrected Ursan Ilyasova. Uh, yeah, gross. But uh, Ursan somehow a plus four in this I game. I hate that so He's much. That literally is the proof. plus minus god. That is proof that individual game plus minus sometimes means nothing. Yeah. That right there. Because Ursan getting into the game and just being a traffic cone on defense does not help. Like, obviously, you're going to get a little better defense on... Olenek, uh from distance or like when Myers Leonard is in because he was out as well uh, it's mm. it's just if Urson is the answer that's not the correct answer 
you know like it's just it's wrong well and the just to I let you keep going but the other thing the Bucks also tried was putting Brooke Lopez on Andre Iguodala and that worked a, a bit better well yeah and who, who did they who did they slide over to Olenek um, Giannis I think oh yeah in some of those minutes yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah we didn't see like any Robin Lopez run at all which is strange considering how uh, um, how well he's been shooting recently which is not a sentence I thought I would say in like November Ever. yeah uh, well well, maybe at the well, beginning yeah, of the season, the season at the before, beginning yeah, of the season right. I hope but in November yeah, yeah, yeah. like late November early December I was like okay this isn't happening it has uh, been a roller coaster, which is ironic considering how much they love uh, I Disney. I like that. I like that a yeah. lot. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we didn't see any Robin Lopez minutes, um, which just shows how, uh, like, how much Bud was willing to sort of adjust to like this specific game, which sort of you know that's a whole that opens up a whole whole another can of worms, where it's just like, oh, Bud doesn't adjust. Well, it's like here's your proof. But that's not really the point I'm trying to make here. The point <laughs> is that this team has the personnel and the um, just skill to uh, change their offense and defense based on matchups. And yeah. that, that was on display. They didn't really get the win. Well, obviously they didn't get the win. But it goes to your point that they will, even if the shooting uh, discrepancy is this big, there's still ways in which Milwaukee can pull it out. There is, and and I will add before the the Ursan the Ursan militia gets after us, it does exist, and I res, I respect it. I respect caping for for your guy Marvin Williams. Also, just, was not but good. Like also, like Ursan. I listen, Rohan. I'm a man of the people. I'll accept whoever folks want to cape yeah. for. No, Marvin wasn't good either in this game. Of course, except but also like there's there's you know what? Sure, <laughs> just accept it, Rohan. Sure. <laughs> Just accept it. So we will cover uh, some other ways the Bucks can can adapt, should adapt, could probably will, um, and be better than they were in their in their loss to Toronto. Right after, I remind everybody that Giannis Atetokounmpo has added 50 pounds of muscle and counting since his rookie year. That's a lot. If you, dear listener, want to get swole like the Greek freak did. Well, maybe not that swall, but still, D1 Training Milwaukee is the place for you. D1 Milwaukee is the place for the athlete, and every coach is either a former collegiate athlete or a former Division I strength and conditioning coach. They know their stuff. The programs are based in sports science, and the facility is state-of-the-art, featuring a 40-yard-long indoor turf field and NFL combine testing equipment that can be utilized for many different sports. D1 Milwaukee offers a team atmosphere and a personalized achievement plan to achieve your specific goals. You set the goal, and D1 Milwaukee helps you get there. And you can check it out for free just for listening to the Eurostep. Head on over to their new location in the Mequon Pavilions right off I-43 to get your first workout and a one-on-one fitness assessment, again, for absolutely free. Go hit up D1 Training Milwaukee at 11020 North Port Washington Road in Mequon, right by First Watch, a great brunch spot to hit up after, and tell them the Eurostep sent you to get in shape like Giannis did for that free first workout and that one-on-one fitness assessment. So another thing that the Bucks uh, can do now that they really either couldn't or didn't do earlier 
is just the emergence, I feel like, of Chris Middleton as this guy this year. I think it's been probably the Bucks' biggest development of the season. There's, there's a lot of things you could argue there. Um, you know, Giannis taking another somehow step forward is obviously up there as well. But I think Chris becoming the kind of guy he's been almost all year is probably the most impactful thing. He looked like, uh, ish like that guy against the Pacers. Not a great game for him, but like I said, 20 points, 8 rebounds, just the 2 assists, which is a little low for him, but 2 turnovers. Ran some nice Chris Giannis pick and rolls, as you pointed out on Twitter. Yes, I was drooling over that. Um, but I think that might be one of the biggest things. And, and the, the point that was brought up all summer, still gets brought up sometimes, is... You know, the Bucks need that other guy to step up when Giannis isn't doing it. Um, and, and they haven't had it. It seems like they do this year. I have certainly been saying for a long time they do. They just need to use him. Uh, that take has looked great for a lot of the year. It didn't look great against Miami. Uh, again, 4 for 16 from the field for Chris. What are your thoughts on Chris as the second guy, Rohan? Well, I think uh, I want to deviate a little from what you said in the sense you that deviant. Uh, yes, uh, I, in the sense that I want to say that one problem that I think maybe like I maybe not me personally, but that's like a general consensus. Oh, this might be the downfall of the Bucks. Is not like necessarily sure. The second guy issue being Chris Middleton might be a problem to some people, but like I think the main thing is like Giannis. Because he's he's clearly the guy on this team. Uh, that's not a question. Um, but Correct. Yes. But what what will he do in these sort of like one-on-one isolation situations? Or not even like isolation situations. Can he go get a bucket? Like can he work in the mid-range and get a basket when it really matters most? And what I think not only is Giannis really like, as we've seen, like getting really good at doing that on his own, but you can just go to like one of the most efficient scores in the league in Chris Middleton mm-hmm. in those situations. Yeah. You know, cause it helps. it's like not just this season. He's having a historically great efficiency season. It's like, wh- what's wh- the list of 50, 40, 90 guys to also score 20 per game. Um, Is it like it's Steph, KD and Nash Steph, or bird Steph, bird. KD, Dirk and bird twice. Oh, gee, goodness. Yeah, it's pretty good company. And Chris Middleton so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Chris Middleton so, you know, on pace. So, just, like, historically dominant scorers, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I think he had a bad night against Miami. Who I think doesn't? It, it happens. Exactly. It, it, it happens. And I've seen a few here and there, like, oh, you know, not, not much, but I, and I'm I tangentially follow some LA Twitter people. I, I see all sorts of things, but like, oh, Giannis exposed or whatever. Literally every player has bad nights. And to go and prove it, I found a game that the Lakers lost at home against the Raptors where LeBron shot 5-15 and also scored 13 points, which coincidentally is what Giannis scored uh, in the Heat loss. Like, it happens. Sometimes you lose to a good team, Toronto, Miami, both good teams, uh, sometimes, even if you're one of the best players in the league or the best player in the league, you have a bad night. The same goes for Chris Middleton. You don't even the have fact to go that... to, like LeBron. Like two games ago, AD had 15 points in a loss to the Grizzlies. Yeah, there you go. Like there it is. Like it, it happens to everybody. So I think the fact that in the LeBron, uh, not LeBron, wow, some funny, uh, 
funny. Uh, Nine points in a loss to Boston. Who was that? AD. Okay, man, we're talking about AD. we're talking about you know some of the best players in the league, bro. I don't know why you keep bringing up AD. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, a little spice Ooh. from Ty. Um, <laughs> a little Freudian slip saying LeBron instead of Giannis. But uh, Giannis and Chris having a bad game on the same night. I mean, there's some stuff that you can just point to and be like, yeah, I mean, second night of a back-to-back. Chris obviously doesn't play on game one, so it's not the fatigue, but just sort of a rust factor. In Miami, all the stuff we've already talked about. And listen, what we haven't said and we should say, credit to the Heat, who played phenomenal. Of course. You have to to make the Bucks look mm-hmm. like that. They were really, really good. Bam Adebayo is one of the best one-on-one guys against Giannis in the whole league, I would say. I still think if you play, if this series plays out like it probably will in the second round of the playoffs, I don't think it's coming up nearly as rosy for Miami. I just give the Bucks some time to plan for this. We've seen Bud be less hesitant to, to deviate, as, as you also love to do. Hopefully that means we'll get some more specific game planning, some more, you know, picking on weak links on defense. I mean, Duncan Robinson certainly is one of those. I think Goran Dragic you can probably take advantage of. When he's out there, Kelly Olenek, if he doesn't rip your damn arm off. But um, I I think in a playoff series where so many things are different about this kind of matchup, I just think if the Bucs can continue to do the things they've done well, which is let Chris do a lot of stuff, continue to move the ball, set up Giannis in good positions, don't just make him try and, and forge his own path all the time. I just think that they can handle everybody in the East, Miami included. Yeah, for sure. It's 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 hard to doubt this team. Obviously, we're a little biased. Um, yes, clearly. Yes. <laughs> uh, but it's just it's getting inevitable at this point. Am I yeah. am I wrong? No. Uh... <sighs> Well, it's okay, funny. I still ine- hesitate a little bit. Inevitable is strong. Like it's it's. Mm, I don't know what the word is to describe it. I don't. It, is it strong? I feel like it's a little strong because that's almost. It might be. It a feels little like strong. a guarantee if I say inevitable. Well, yeah, that is kind of what that what that means. I don't know. Uh, like certainty is probably just as strong. Yeah. It's strong chance. Yes. It's, it's looking uh, more and more likely. Yeah, even with the loss, which again, mm-hmm. it, it stunk. This it is wasn't their, fun. This is their worst stretch of the season, and they're yeah, yeah, they're still this winning. This is their worst, their worst three games played since November first. Mm-hmm. A horrific two and one since slump. Since the first three games of the season, <laughs> a horrific three game, a horrific two and one slump for the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm-hmm. They That's moved where to we're what, at in this 53 season. Fifty-three and nine. Terrible. Yes, they're almost at double-digit losses. Ty, do you know what the Bucks' home record is? Ooh, off the top of my head. Um, yeah. I know. Do they have three losses? They do, which is wild. I, I don't. I lose track of wins like 30. 20, 28 and three. 28 at home. and three. That's a pretty good home court. Yeah, I'd say so. Pretty good. Pretty good that the playoffs are probably going to run through mm-hmm. Fiserv. And uh, uh, losing six road games all season is not bad at all. Yeah, no, no. I mean, that's. It's got to be, what, pretty good odds that they don't reach double-digit losses, road or home. I mean, they obviously won at home. But, yeah, it's it's just I we talk about every week how great this team is, but it still doesn't really feel real to me. Yeah, no, it's 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 sometimes you catch yourself kind of not believing, and then you got to remind yourself, like, no, they are. They are really, really good. Mm. 
Um, I feel like there's a couple guys we should bounce around and get to. Yes. First off, Dante. I was about to say, we really need to talk about Dante. We we do. I mean, it's kind of poetic that Dante's 19 points, tying a career high, I believe, mm-hmm. um, is the exact difference between the Bucks and the Pacers in score in this game. 19-point win. Dante puts up 19. He has 19 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, 1 block, and the 2 turnovers, a bench best, plus 11. He shoots 5 for 10 from the field. Three for six from three, and he heat check missed two in one position possession. I thought they both were going to be good, despite one being an air ball. I just had that much faith in Dante. His shot and just looks so good. You assume it does. it's going in. It it really does, and he looks so confident and comfortable. I know on the podcast we mentioned a few times with Zach Lowe and Kevin Arnovitz, which obviously, if you somehow haven't listened to, once you're done listening to this and rating and reviewing and everything else, obviously go listen to that. Yes, uh, the low post, conversation. But it was, but what Zach said about Dante, something I've felt for a while, and I've seen a couple of people posit, you know, he's young, he's going to hit that wall, he's not going to be as good in the playoffs. He doesn't play like a good young guy. He just plays like a good player. Like, there's, he's so comfortable, he's so confident, he knows what to do. He's very Brogdon-esque in that, you know, collegiate experience, that poise, everything else. I don't see him having a problem in the postseason. I think he's going to be just fine. And honestly, it's one of... One of the things that really makes me feel great about this this final hopeful finals run is there's another small guard the Bucks can really rely on to play real minutes. We don't need to see Pat Connaughton in close games anymore. No, and I might even take it a step further than you just did, and he might even be better in the playoffs because his game is perfectly suited for the playoffs. Yeah, it is. He's just Definitely. so active on defense. He's always making the correct read. It's just... It's beautiful to watch him play basketball. Like he, he just looks like a. I, I feel like I've tweeted this a couple times, but he looks like a 2004 Spurs player. Hmm. Interesting. It's just he just plays basketball the right way, and that it's perfectly suited for this system. It's perfectly suited for the playoffs, and that's something they didn't have last season. No, I think he could actually... No, sorry, go ahead. No, go go on, I'm done. I think he could flip a series. And I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I mean, the kind of plays he makes on defense to come away with three three steals and a block, so four stocks, four just live ball, just takeaways. That's the kind of thing that can flip a close game. And I mean, as we saw in the Toronto series, a close game can flip a series. Like if the Bucks had gotten that third win and gone up 3-0... I think even Raptors people have said, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you come back from that. 3-0 is, is just a, a menace. And, of course, the Raptors were good enough to, to rattle off four straight wins. But still, like, it's a whole different position, a whole different series at that point. Dante DiVincenzo is the kind of playmaker who can just turn, like I said, turn a close game around, which can really carry over to the rest of a series. And I, I talked about his defense there. His offense is coming around. I mean, he's finishing at the rim. He's getting fouls, which is really good. Six for six from the free throw line. Only Giannis and Bledsoe attempted more foul shots. Uh, just And his, his threes, his stroke has looked good. He's been a good shooter over the last few weeks. I mean, I can pull up a percentage while I talk and while you talk. But just really, really great to see how much he's come along. I think I tweeted. I, I During the game, I was really optimistic this game for some reason. I tweeted... He's going to be a star someday, which don't know if I, I don't, I'm not going to take that back. I, and by star, I mean like an, an all-star Ooh. level, not like a, Ooh. not like a top five level, Ooh. but I, I that, do think that. That leads perfectly into a comparison that I have about his development. 
Go Are you off, ready, King? Yes. I have two. One of them's a little more Ooh. extreme than the other, and I feel like okay. I'm going to get laughed at for the second one, so I'm going to go with the first one, which I might get laughed at as well. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy Butler. Oh, yeah. Yo, I can see that for sure. Defensive-minded first, learns the game offensively. becomes Yeah, a, playmaker. Yeah, playmaker, plays hard all the time. You want to hear the second one? Can I react to the first one? Of course. First? So like I don't I don't hate it. I think like the defensive part is there. Like the I think Jimmy's gonna be a better playmaker than Dante probably ever will be. His worst parts of this game were some playmaking faults, although he is very, very young. Mm-hmm. Still I will learning. say even still learning. Even if Jimmy is a little bit better on ball, I think Dante is good, very good on ball, better like off ball disrupting on defense. And and Jimmy's a better playmaker. Dante's already a better shooter. I don't think that he's going to regress. I think he might get a little better there, a little more comfortable. So they're going to be different. Of course, obviously, he's not going to be literally Jimmy Butler. But I, I don't I don't hate the comparison. I, I, don't, I don't hate the comparison at all. Okay, well, you're going to hate the next one, uh, which Let's is sort see. of in a uh, uh, similar mold, but a little extreme. Uh, Kawhi Leonard. Oh, okay. Now we're, now we're doing a lot. <laughs> Let's hear you it's explain the this same one. sort of thing you know comes in <laughs> defensive minded first off as he's starting to develop uh, can swing a series as he does early in a Spursian system mm. who knows might not get a finals MVP but who knows <laughs> uh, then as the offensive game comes around man you never know uh, you know what this is this is bold um, I, I see where bold, you're coming from. Bold is an understatement. <laughs> bold is indeed an understatement. Um, listen, I I almost don't want to even put like specific player comparisons on Dante right now because it just feels like really tough to to put that kind of expectations. Like I don't want you know fans listening to this going like he's gonna be Jimmy Butler, he's gonna be Kawhi Leonard. Probably not. Who knows? But probably not. Um, although you never know, Ty. You never do know, and he has done all the things to make to, like that's that's the reason that we have some of these out, outlandish, no offense, comparisons. Is like he just keeps showing positive things, and it's really hard to put a ceiling on a young player when they just keep showing you good things. So Dante actually shooting worse than I would have thought since All Star. His line has been eight point eight points. This is in twenty three minutes per game. Eight point eight points, six point zero rebounds, two point five assists. Uh, 0.6 steals, 0.4 blocks, uh, while shooting 45% from the field and 31% from three. So that is post-All-Star. That is the last seven games or so, which still, I, that feels low to me. He feels like he's been better than that, and he's about about 32% over the last 15 games from deep. So I think the eye test coming along a little faster than the uh, the actual results so far, but certainly, needless to say, Dante has been very, very good. A lot better than I thought, for sure, this season. Yes, for sure. And like I, I started off our Dante talk with, it's just going to be so great having him in the playoffs. He's yeah. just he's built for it. He brings an extra level of dynamism. Like if Pat Connaughton can swing the Boston series a little bit, mm. like he did last season, Yeah. what, what can Dante do? Yeah. Know? Yeah, I might, no, be, that's a great I might point. be a little high on Dante right now. Yeah, high on something. <laughs> um, so I didn't realize we're already to 49 damn minutes. So we're going to have to go a little long. I want to talk about Eric Bledsoe. 
Um, another good good game. I think he came through when it mattered. There were certainly some rough patches where he just overdrove. When he doesn't get the foul calls on his drives, they can look a little rough. But he does end up with 16 points, 5 boards, 7 assists, just 1 turnover, 5 for 9 shooting, 1 for 3 from deep. And Eric Bledsoe stat that I've seen like 5 times and every single time it blows my mind. Roughly a 40% off the dribble 3-point shooter this year. He has really worked on that. It has really paid off. I think I might almost like to see some more of those. Just anything except for the long pull-up, long twos, even if it's off a pick and roll, when Chris and or Giannis is on the floor. I don't need any of that. But Bledsoe, I think, as a whole, has done better than last season, although his Miami game was also pretty rough. Seven points, four assists, four turnovers, two steals. But again, the Miami game was the Miami game. I'm going to disagree with you a little. I Mm. enjoy seeing Eric Bledsoe uh, get those uh, long twos, even though they are not really the greatest shots when Giannis and Chris are on the floor, because that means he's asserting his own uh, uh, feel on the game. And True. we know that Eric Bledsoe is, he feeds off of confidence. So if he can get going a little, even with Giannis and Chris on the floor, like if all three of them are going at once, we know that this team is not beatable. Uh, so I don't, I don't really mind him hunting his own shot, even though Chris and Giannis are on the floor, because otherwise you never know. Is he going to go back to, into his shell? And then when Giannis and Chris are off the floor, is he going to be a negative? Cause he's not really used to really going for his own, he's going to be looking for someone else. I don't know. I, I kind of like him being being aggressive. It's interesting. I feel like I feel like I grade Bledsoe so impossibly because, like, if he's aggressive and it works, I'm all for it. He's If he's aggressive and it doesn't, I feel like I'm not, which obviously is not a fair way to, to look at it, to evaluate it. Um, I certainly don't like when, he, when he's overly passive. I, I have said before I wish he would use – maybe channel a little bit more of the aggression on defense than offense and, and kind of even it out that way. I think that would help a little bit. But I certainly see what you're saying. I've never really thought about it that way. So kind of in a sense, you play with fire, obviously, to, to let Bledsoe use a lot of touches in some of these games, especially you know with, the, with higher stakes. Kind of going for the, the maybe high-risk, high-reward play of – like you said, if you can get all three of those those players cooking at the same time, then you really reach an ultimate pinnacle for the Bucks. Yeah, it's it's just that's how they win the title. Ooh, you know, because how do I say this? There there are ways for the Bucks to win the title without all three of Giannis, Chris, and Bledsoe going supernova. Obviously. Um, there's there's ways in which those three can go supernova and they don't win the title. I don't really see that happening in a lot of scenarios if if that was simulated a bunch of times, but it is possible. But what I'm trying to say is, like you said, that is how they get to the ceiling of this team, is if they get all three of their best creators going. If they can get Giannis going, Chris going, those two are going to go most nights no matter what. But if you can get Bledsoe into that mix as well, that's just another thing that the defense has to worry about, which frees up the other two and like Bledsoe himself, and then you're just then you're just toast if you're a defense. No, I agree. I think that's a that's a very fair take. I think people miss that sometimes when they talk about Bledsoe. I will say one of the most interesting kind of qu- very quiet Bucks things to me 
over the last two-plus years is it feels like they've gotten contingency after contingency for things that can go wrong. And that's something I do think is sort of missed when people look at, you know, how rigid the Bucks are and how they need to play Bledsoe and, and Brooke Lopez. They don't need to play one or the other if, if one of the others having an off night. Either Bledsoe is off or teams are scheming out uh, Brooke Lopez. They don't even need to play either of them. You know, like the Bucks, if they really need to, can feel really good about running out like George Hill, Dante DiVincenzo, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Marvin Williams. Yeah. And I think I said too many players, but like they have options there is what I mean. Even if you don't want to run out Pat, you don't want to use Bledsoe, you don't want to use the Lopez brothers, they can now have like six players to build lineups from without any of those guys. Or Urson, who we've seen exposed against athletic forwards before. Like, I don't think that's accidental. I mean, obviously you always just want to add good players. Maybe it's just maybe it is purely coincidence that those good players have allowed for these things. I don't think it is. I think that I, I obviously the Bucks hope that we get good Bledsoe in the playoffs and, and just stampede everybody, which is probably what would happen. I do think it's very interesting that the main additions over the last few years, George Hill, uh, Marvin Williams now, you know, uh, Wes Matthews and, and now Dante is coming along, really lets you excise some of the guys who have had troubles in postseasons past. Really, really making... The case, not the case, but really betting on. We know Chris and Giannis largely are going to be awesome, especially Giannis. We have options to put around them if we have to. It's it's like very quiet insurance on on the system, the scheme, and some of the players. No, this is how you build a contender in uh, in a market like Milwaukee and like through like draft and trades. You uh, see what goes well. One, you have to be super lucky and get like two great players and start from there that's not a you know easy thing to do but you just once you have experience you go through the trials and tribulations of early season like early year playoff runs and you take those mistakes and you fix them and you keep going forward you don't really give up on the roster or make drastic decisions you just build slowly until you have a team that doesn't have weaknesses that teams can exploit on a massive scale. Because what was it? Like, two years ago, it was um, just a lot of coaching decisions. What did they do? They went and got a new coach. What was it last year? It was a lot of, uh, it was what, shooting around Giannis. It was depth. It was um, uh, defense issues. What did they get uh, this season? They got a lot of defensive-minded players. They got more shooters. They have more depth and more versatility. What, what, mm-hmm. like that's that's what you're supposed to do as a team like this, as a franchise like this, and I think Milwaukee has done it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think they have very quietly been working on patching holes as much as possible without giving up that continuity. And I think an interesting parallel to the Bledsoe thing. If you look back, and there was some injury stuff going on, but. Kevin Love was not very good in the 2016 finals. It was a rough series for Kevin Love, who uh, people remember the defense on Curry. If you look back at the numbers, it wasn't great. I mean, if you just think about it. LeBron and Kyrie had to score like 80-something combined. That probably means Kevin Love was not scoring a ton, considering the games weren't like 140 finals. And Tristan Thompson played well, and, and JR had good games and everything else. But... You know, there are specific matchups that you you will run into in later playoff games where 
for one reason or another, something might not work, whether it's the scheme, a certain player, whatever. Like there are, you know, you're not going to have a, you know, a, a nine man rotation that is entirely perfect and flawless and, and you never have to change it. It won't happen. The Bucks kind of, whether because they had to or because they wanted to, approached last year like that was the case. Like they could just continue doing the thing and it would work and whatever. It didn't. Now it feels like more than ever the Bucks are equipped to switch it up when they need to. And I think we've seen in a lot of games, maybe not the Miami game as much, but in a lot of games they've been more willing and able to do those things. So that is probably the biggest addressing you can do for sort of the, the, the shortcomings last year and, and the rare ones we've seen this year. I, I don't know. I think I feel a lot better about it after talking it out. I feel like the Bucks are in a good place. I do too. We, wow, we are at an hour, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the boring Pacers win by 19 gets us to an hour, of course. Mm. Is there anything else you wanted to mention on this podcast? Um, I think that's it for me. Okay. I think I've talked enough. Yeah, I think we have talked enough. We've taken up an hour of your time. I'm talking to you, the Eurostep listener. And if I'm talking to you as well, might as well mention that if you enjoyed this episode of the Eurostep, tell people about it. Tell your podcast provider, leave a uh, rating, uh, tell your friends, tell your family uh, about the podcast if you like it. Help support us. We know that we've been receiving a lot of good support lately, and we want to keep it going, and we appreciate that. Uh, well, if you're supporting us like that, might as well go check out the entire Blue Wire podcast network. I can attest that all of them are fantastic. They're all well done, well put together by great podcasters like us, hopefully. Um, but uh, I think that's it for us from this episode of the Eurostep. And stay tuned for the next episode uh, where we might have a uh, spicy game to cover against the Lakers because that game is coming up on Friday. So you don't want to miss the next episode of the Eurostep. But until then, I guess we'll talk to you next time. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.